Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. I'm Captain Captain Dingway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Dingway of the USS Voyager. Welcome to the Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm one of those guys. Ben Harrison is my name. Over here, Adam Pranica. Hey Adam, we uh, we rolled a Coco Nono. It's been a long time since we've rolled one of these. Rarely has there been a better time for a Coco Nono in our lives <laughs> than right now. You ever you ever go back when we used to go to bars? You ever go to a bar when you just really fucking needed to go to a bar? <laughs> this is that yes. night for me. Yeah, really needed this Coco Nono right now. I was a little worried that. Uh... <laughs> You seemed to be having that kind of day, and I was I was wondering if the breaking the news to your wife that you were going to turn left at work <laughs> at the end of today was going to be a bad look. Oh, no. I mean, uh, this is a secret drink happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> there is no evidence of its existence anywhere wow. else in the house. So That is not a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I think uh, I think keeping the peace is what you want to do whenever you can. And, yeah, uh, that's true. People in both of our households struggling quite a bit lately, so definitely not throwing this bit of comfort-making in anyone's yeah. face. It's a strange feeling to get home from your Star Trek podcast day and be like, fuck, what a day, mm-hmm. my God. And then your wife, who doesn't have a job that sounds like a punchline, right? <laughs> also had a day, and you're like, no, you you really had a day. Yeah. It's, we'll we'll never have a day compared to that. <laughs> it's really true. Yeah, we're very lucky in that way. But um, what are you? Uh, what's what's your Coco No No drink of choice today? Well, I definitely went equatorial with it. For a long time, I wanted to make a lion's tail, and I know that's a a drink you're familiar with, featuring the I am allspice. I'm not familiar dram. with a lion's tail. It's an allspice dram based tiki drink, Ooh. and it's really nice for like when the weather starts to get cooler. Because yeah. that allspice dram is very, you know, you know what allspice tastes like. I don't need to tell you about that, but it's like a, it's like a winter spice. Yeah. So you get that in an iced beverage, and that's a really good thing. But I, uh, I did not have simple syrup in the moment, and we're uh, peek behind the pod. We're we're doing another two records in one day. I just didn't have the time yeah. to boil water and make simple syrup and do that. So I just went to the standard margarita, uh, the improved margarita, if you will. Uh, yeah. Here's the recipe for that. You get your one liter plastic squeeze bottle of Kirkland Signature brand margarita and tequila mix bottle all in one. Uh-huh. You pour that in your insulated cup full of ice, and then you pour one to two glugs of tequila uno, Blanco tequila, on the okay. top for a floater. Uh, you, give that a, <laughs> you give that a swish with a finger, you lick that yeah. finger, mm-hmm. and you take it to the dome. Okay. <laughs> we wisely did not record the other episode we had to record today after this one. Yeah, that's been known <laughs> to happen. That's how you get a consensual Warren hammered, though. That's the recipe. But uh, it also sometimes is the recipe for just a bad episode where you can't put sentences together coherently. <laughs> sometimes, like I will say, we do like to go all out for Coco Nono episodes drink-wise. Yeah. And what I want to say, much like it's been said that the best camera is the one you have on you, Sometimes yeah. the best cocktail is the one that is the closest distance between you and it. So 
Tonight, yeah. this is that. Well, I uh, don't have a, a pre-mixed thing to to mix with here at the house, and I had a bunch of limes. Uh, I had a birthday party a couple weeks back. You didn't show up for some reason. Yeah, I, I had other plans. I could kind of get the sense that that wasn't really a day you wanted to celebrate, but <laughs> I bought a whole bunch of limes for that. I'm going to be celebrating a different date for you. <laughs> I bought a whole bunch of limes for that and uh, I had some left over, but these are limes that have been sitting around the house for a couple of weeks and they, you know how limes like they don't, like sometimes they will go bad where you see like mm-hmm. patches of brown on the outside, but sometimes they just get smaller and smaller until they turn into like stones that yeah. look like half size limes. I do know the type. Is that what you're the- working with? They were like well on their way to that. And I was like, oh man, like I don't think, because they also, I, they're giving up hydration to shrink. Like that's what's, mm-hmm. that's what's going away to make them smaller. So I was squeezing them and I was just getting barely any blood from the stones. And I was like, man, I'm not going to have enough to make the drink I want to make, which is a, my like, uh, my standard rum punch that I make. And then I realized, Adam, For the first time in my uh, life as an adult Californian, I had limes growing on a tree at my house. That's amazing. I have I've seen this on on the occasions when I've been to your house that haven't been your birthday party. I've seen Uh limes grow on this tree. I was wondering if they were ready. They're ready, huh? They were ready, and I I I went out and I harvested two beautiful limes, way prettier than any lime I've ever bought in a store. Like perfect, even color all the way around. Wow! And uh, and really thin pith, thin pith, (laughs) beautiful like emerald green interiors, just gorgeous. And I squeezed them, and they uh, they made up the difference in lime juice. Wow! I'm like. I'm like using up the last of the uh, Kirkland signature limes that I bought for the party. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, Man. And s- supplemented with some limes that I grew my damn self. I've got a, we've had a lime tree in a pot outside our front door. That was only like one of the first things we did when quarantine started. We were like, well, time to work on the herb garden and the, and the yeah, container yeah. planting. Put this lime tree in that pot. Have not grown a single lime. Lots of blooms. Yeah. But uh but no limes yet. So I I I mean we had our our this ours is also in a pot and mm-hmm. it was we had it for a year before I saw a piece of fruit show up on it. So Yeah, maybe next year will be the year. Yeah. We were, we're encouraging be. it with some fertilizer and uh and some grooming. Yeah, you gotta generally. get that uh that citrus tone. <laughs> yeah. It grew up very tall and now and now the upgrowing is done. We need it to grow some fruit. Yeah, now now it's time to grow out there, little buddy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I hope I have as good a luck as you. Otherwise, I'm going to be coming over for them limes. Yeah. Speaking of juice, Adam, there's a juice scene at the beginning of today's episode. Do you want to get into this episode of Star Trek Voyager? Can't wait, Ben. It's Star Trek Voyager Season 3, Episode 2, Flashback. Cheers. Cheers. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. Neelix is pouring a juice blend for Tuvok that's right out of that giant plastic tower in a chain hotel lobby area. Like that color exactly. (laughs) He says something that I almost wondered if it was meant to just be papaya in the script, but it sounded like alien papaya or something. No one ever buys this juice. This is a lobby juice that you're drinking here if you're Tuvok. Yeah. He also says anthraxic, anthraxic citrus. Mm. 
Is that what you like open in a in a letter if you work in a con- congressperson's <laughs> office? <laughs> I remember those days. Pretty scary. <laughs> Got to open your mail with rubber gloves. Yeah. Tuvok does not find this to be too piquant. Impressive. No, he's down. He likes it a lot. Warriors drink. Here's the thing, though. When you have a hard-to-serve friend, I feel like you, you get your win and you get the hell out of there. Like, Neelix pivots right into, much like you never want to follow a stranger to a second location, he pivots <laughs> into the second thing to serve. Yeah. And this is where he gets into the weeds here. Neelix is also running an omelet bar this morning at yeah. uh, at Neelix's restaurant, which is normally a great deal, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, who doesn't love an omelet bar? Especially when made by a professional. A lot of times you think it's not worth the wait. The line at the omelet bar tends to be the longest because there's like real effort happening there. You, you can make your own waffle most places. You can get your yogurt and your, and your yeah. mixed fruit or your Japanese breakfast if you're in that kind of hotel fairly quickly but it's an omelet fun to make your own waffle it is it is but uh but the omelet's worth waiting for yeah and it turns out that... tuvok's gonna have to wait a long time for this one yeah <laughs> there's like a power surge that causes the flames to get extra big on the weird garbage can cooktop that neelix <laughs> uses yeah <laughs> it scorches the omelet it, this omelet is no more it does tuvok two favors on the one hand not going to try those eggs. On the mm-hmm. second hand, not going to hear the story about those eggs either, which <laughs> had a oh, great yeah. big buildup here. For Because for Talaxians, uh, the meal is about the story uh, right. in a very, like, I don't know, Lydia Bastianich kind of way. Like when they cut, <laughs> like she makes her thing and then they cut to her, like the strange parallaxing camera that's, that's circling her in a room when she talks about how Northern Italian cooking is different yeah. from Southern Italian. She looks up from the thing she's cutting and it's like makes eye contact with a whole new camera position yeah. that you didn't know was there. And why is this scene in black and white? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the ship has pulled up to a gaseous anomaly. Mm. Gotta love them. Yeah. And this thing is full of cerulean. Uh, is, is cerulean a type of gas or is it just a? Is it just cerulean that it's full of? Yeah. That's a great question. I'm choosing to believe it's a type of gas. It's gassy anomaly that could be useful for energy. And also, an actor you can't take your eyes off of in performances like Inception, <laughs> Batman Begins, and Anthropoid. You want to, you want to get this, this psyllium energy onto your ship as soon as possible, because I think your chances of a, of a successful mission are increased if you get a, if you get a psyllium on board. Yeah. I thought he was particularly chilling in red eye. Mm. Yeah, me too. Really intense eyes, nice pouty lips to this energy. And I've heard that uh, Peaky Blinders is a great anomaly. I've heard that too. I, I just haven't seen it yet but I'm going to make some time for it. Everybody wants a piece of, uh, you know, as we've discussed, it's great stuff. Everybody (laughs) wants a piece of it. We go around the bridge, people suggesting other roles for Cerulean. When it gets around to Chakotay for his turn to talk about what he'll do with it, everyone's like, yeah, just don't get it pregnant, Chakotay. (laughs) (laughs) See if you can stop that from happening. That seems to be your thing. And he's like, that wasn't my kid. Come on. And it wasn't my fault. Why is everyone you, doing this to me? Were you guys not listening to Maury? <laughs> he said all the things. 
no one was on the ship during. That's the problem. Like that's that's yeah. part of Chakotay's burden at this point. Is they're is, just gonna have to take his word for it. Yeah, he wants to get booked on Neelix's show so that he can broadcast that out to the rest of the crew. Right. Uh, <laughs> so they're gonna use the Brassard collectors to collect this stuff. But uh, while they you are, you could really um, just go to any online streaming service to uh, to get your fill of the uh, Trillium, right? The guy works. Yeah, you know? he's in a lot of stuff. <laughs> just click on the IMDb page, and you will be astounded. <laughs> but as they're uh, talking about this project of gathering this stuff up, Tuvok starts to uh, have a little bit of a moment back in his corner on the ship. He gets all shaky. <laughs> He was in that that late '90s SNL Rob Schneider sketch orgasm guy, where <laughs> where it doesn't take anything at all to get him to have an orgasm. <laughs> you remember that sketch? Oh God, look at the view. <laughs> oh, oh. Tuvok is back here looking at the nebula, and, and he's and he goes full Rob Schneider with it. Talking about feeling dizziness and disorientation. Yeah. He experiences a loss of blood flow. God blessed Tuvok with two heads, but just enough blood to run one. <laughs> this is one of those scenes that only works in Star Trek, but would never work in real life because Tuvok's like, I'm going to take myself to Six Bay without escort. Yeah. He takes himself there and- Don't what- need help. <laughs> I think you need an escort, right? Yeah. I don't know what it is about the 24th century that that gets someone off the hook for that. But as soon as he gets to six, I mean, it was super awkward when he like walked to the door and he's like, no, 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 don't get up. And everybody was just still sitting, sitting there. Well, Tuvok slash Tuvix has had a pretty bad track record of appealing to the crowd (laughs) in an effort to save him from a dangerous situation. Yeah. Yeah. You're not just going to stand there and watch me walk myself to six bay, right? People are pretty burned out on that whole thing. So he sees a little flash in his mind, and this flash is a little girl asking for his help. They're on the edge of a cliff, and he's yeah. struggling not to drop her in a very cliffhanger-style manner. Tuvok! Don't let me fall! You're not a human girl and a young Tuvok, like 11, 12-year-old boy. If only Maybe. this show were made 10 to 15 years later, young Tuvok would be a viable Star Trek pitch in an era where we're just, we're making all the Star Treks right now. You're telling me young Tuvok wouldn't get greenlit right now on the Paramount Plus network? I mean, that kid, we only see him for moments at a time, but we know he's got chops. He's got all the pathos of dropping a girl to her certain death off of a cliff. You're telling me you wouldn't want to see a very stoic, very unemotional Tuvok during childhood, like yeah. being a little sassy to the adults yeah. in his life? Fixing his bow tie while, uh, <laughs> while sassing the, the bigs. Yeah. <laughs> but this scene is not nearly as funny as that pitch, which we should pitch immediately to Paramount+. Plus. <laughs> yeah, we need to get in the room. Because adult Tuvok collapses onto the nicely checkered pattern carpet of Six Bay, and yeah. we so rarely get textile details like this. He's on the floor... We're in close. I mean, you can reach out and touch the nap of that carpet. You know exactly what it feels like. We've seen this carpet a thousand times in a thousand airports. It looks like a material that would be right at home on a uh, a nice warm ladies' top coat that you would buy at a thrift store. Oh yeah, absolutely. Or like the lobby area of a of an orthodontist. 
<laughs> yeah. When we come back from the opening theme, he is describing this vision that he's had to the doc. And it's interesting, like, it's a memory, like, it, like he remembered it like it's a memory, but he can also tell that it's not a memory that he remembers. <laughs> like, he, do, he doesn't remember ever remembering this. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, I was like... You're like the guy next to me at the bar that I'm like, hey, cool, I'm going to pay my tab. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you I mean, keep, that's pretty, pretty you, much been our dynamic since we started our podcast. <laughs> you keep working that out over there, friend. <laughs> I'm going to move on down the road. <laughs> it is suggested that this is like a recovered memory, which is... Uh, <laughs> right. I, I think it's just like a thing that happens in this era of television that the recovered memory thing is treated as like a real thing that really happens. Yeah, it, it seems like, I don't have a specific reference for this, but it seems like a very CSI kind of moment here. It, yeah. It's very popular in the in the mystery crime show. Yeah, a traumatic childhood experience that he buried so deep in his subconscious. Yeah. The time where he sassed his parents the most. <laughs> <laughs> I already finished my math homework. I can tie my own bow tie, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> But this is weird, right? I mean, it never really happened. Or he doesn't remember it. No one knows. So when the... This is a great moment. Like when the doc runs down the possible diagnoses for this condition, it is basically like everything that's ever happened on Star Trek could cause this kind of condition. (laughs) And I really feel like that's why Star Trek doctors are bedraggled all the time. Like this is the hardest job in the universe, right? It could be proximity to a nebula, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Could be Nagilum. Mm-hmm. Could it be Nagilum? Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> so they put a sort of neural halter monitor on him, mm. like right behind his earlobe. <laughs> An ankle bracelet for his neck. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they're like well we don't think it's gonna happen but if it does we'll get some data on it next time as soon as tuvok leaves six bay janeway and the doc kind of look at each other and kess is there too and they're like we chose this guy huh like we could have had two (laughs) vicks this is this was the choice captain interesting question would this have happened if it was two vicks I mean, I think it's going to be the enduring question for the rest of the series. (laughs) (laughs) This is what you ask for when you make an episode like Tuvix. Yeah. One thing I know wouldn't have happened if it was Tuvix is uh, that Tuvok goes back to his quarter and uh, does building blocks as a way of relaxing. And I can relate to this, having built a couple of large-scale Lego sets (laughs) over the last couple of years for Greatest Gen. It is very relaxing. It doesn't it's just silly to see a grown man doing it. That's exactly it. The image of Tuvok playing Vulcan Jenga does not inspire a lot of confidence in his well-being at this especially point. Especially when he's bad at it. And yeah. especially when all of the blocks have like bright, festive color patterns printed yeah. on them. Like if they were a little bit more dour and Vulcan-y, I think that this wouldn't have been quite the laugh line that it was. Kess is so cute when she walks in and she's like, oh, you're doing Lincoln Logs. Cool. Knock on my door. Knock next time. She's so unintentionally condescending. Like, that's the brand of her kindness. Like, I don't think she knows she's coming off this way as a character, 
but yeah. it's big fun when she does. I didn't see you playing with your dolls again. Good. And it's clear that like Tuvok's comments to Kess are as much of an explanation for what he's doing to her as yeah. they are an effort to convince himself that what he's doing is the right thing to do. She's here to uh, adjust his little beeper. <laughs> they want to monitor his peptides. Is Tuvok cake? <laughs> There's the meme. The guy <laughs> the guy's looking at the butterfly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yes. Tuvok is cake. Is Tuvix cake is my question. Wow. Or is Tuvix like half cake? <laughs> is is Tuvix even a kind of dessert? Yeah. I don't want to see the backside of that cake, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> don't need to see it. I want to eat that one in the dark. <laughs> The next morning, Chakotay and Tuvok are headed for engineering, and this is a moment where Chakotay has some advice about how to chill the fuck out when you're stressed. Look, man, clearly no one noticed what's been going on with me the last few episodes, but very (laughs) stressful situation, W slash R slash T, whether or not I'm the father of Seska's baby. Sometimes I just like to do whatever it takes to chill out, and whatever that is for you, that's what I suggest. I've got an extra bindle in my quarters if you want it. Yeah. I thought that this scene was a, a great look for Chicote. This yep. was this is the kind of commander that I have always wanted him to be. Like somebody who is trying to help and is going to back off when that's not necessarily what the person wants. This is low key a very Riker moment of Chicote here. Just I thought the same thing. Affably like, helpful, still a commander figure, but like willing to like, hey, you okay? a, a, a subordinate. I am not the captain, but I I can offer you a little wisdom here. Yeah, totally. uh, To a subordinate. Normally, uh, I just punch people in the face in the mess hall. (laughs) That's, I'm actually, uh, I'm working on that. We're going to, we're going to try something different here in the corridor. They make it down to engineering where Kim and Torres are doing some science on uh, what could be causing this. They're, you know, exploring the idea that the nebula could have something to do with it. And Tuvok is like, hey, maybe we should uh, see if there are any... cloaked ships in the area what with our proximity to klingon space god we've all been there you you zone out a little bit in a meeting and you get called on (laughs) and you snap to and you say the stupidest shit yeah what i wish i had done in moments where i snap to and say something stupid is blame it on a medical condition are you all right lieutenant i'm just like the tiredest I've ever been in my life. Like, Tuvok <laughs> hits the deck right away. He's like, oh, oh, I'm having a flashback. And he hits the deck because, like, no one wants to live with the fact that he said the stupidest shit about the Klingons in this moment. It is a great way of getting out of a humiliation. <laughs> I suspected Nagilam here because Tuvok definitely gets the Nagilam shakes when he yeah. crumples to the ground. I love that shot where it's like it starts super, super ECU on his eye and the yeah. camera spins 360 as it pulls out. I like this too. Yeah. Beautiful shot. Yeah. Get right in there. Closer. Get in there. Closer. We come back from commercial break and the doctor is showing a scan of Tuvok's brain that looks like there's like a lightning storm inside <laughs> it. I was ready for the scimitar to come out of that thing and start blowing up Starfleet ships. And I mean, pretty inappropriate timing here, but the doc for some reason shows another scan of Tuvix's brain and it's totally normal and good looking. 
And it's just like, look, as a control, I just wanted to show what a normal brain looks like and then what we're dealing with here. If anyone you see wants how to tell it's a little bit elongated, <laughs> like that is both the thing that makes the back of his head particularly upsetting, but it also gives him extra volume for brain matter. Look, I can't leave Six Bay to tell Janeway this, but if anyone could just sort of let her know <laughs> that we're still not over that decision. <laughs> this uh, psychological trauma that Tuvok is undergoing is causing brain damage and it's cascading. It could get to a point where it actually lobotomizes him if he is not treated for it. It's like tantric lobotomy. From the sound of it, right? Because this yeah. is not an external force. This is a storm that Tuvok's conjuring up on his own. Adam, when a when a Vulcan has a brain disorder, what do they do? They mind meld the captain. You got to do it. You got to do it every time. If it's Sarek, it's it's Picard. If it's Tuvok, it's Janeway. You need someone close, intimate, like yeah. family. Someone Tuvok can trust. To drive him home from a procedure using general anesthesia? Yeah. You know the type. Yeah. Someone who could look at his mental tax documents folder without judgment or recrimination. <laughs> you know, like you got to let them all the way in. This is really intimate stuff. It's really intimate stuff. And it's something that the doctor sort of eases the captain into, gets her primed and ready for the request. But then Tuvok is the one to actually lay it on her. One thing that I did not know that he says in this moment is that there are other Vulcans on the ship. He's like, I could, I could yeah. go to one of them, but like, if they looked at my tax document folder, they'd see all the, all the shit I look at during Ponfar. I don't yeah. think I could live with that. I'd really be slumming it with those Vulcans over there. <laughs> and there's a moment where it's like, wow, well, we really got to prepare for the meld. Like, like give us a little bit of time to get things together. Yeah. No, you just need like to drag two rolly office chairs together in, a, in an area of the room and you're good to go. Yeah. Mind melding at the drop of a hat is always a good idea. Remember. What Tuvok has given is an hour to blast. Like, you, you, I don't think you want to go into this uh, with a full chamber. No. You don't want an 18-day load. <laughs> it's interesting, though, that like the procedure as described ahead of time feels like a mental dialysis machine, right? Like right. Tuvok has to run this recovered memory through Janeway so that she can guide him through the reenactment of it. And hopefully by going through it together, like she can be his his memory Sherpa to kind of like yeah. get through it. And then by the time they're on the other side, he'll have the insight to know how to think about this. I have to say, Adam, as a person who very recently underwent some pretty intensive PTSD therapy... This is a very sci-fi treatment of this idea, but that is basically like what my treatment was, was wow. going through the memory over and over again and like going where it led and it fucking sucked. Yeah. You know, it was okay. not easy or fun to do, but it was like me and my therapist, like going down into the depths together and then talking about what, what that brought up. Is there ever a feeling of solving it or is it just, is success a matter of how you engage with the thing in a way that just doesn't hurt you as bad as, as it did initially? Like what, how do you feel like you get better? How do you measure progress or, or feeling healthy? I mean, I think that the progress is fractional at first and doesn't, it you know it it is not like peeling a bandaid off and finding that the wound has closed up mm -hmm. uh and 
it's a subtler recovery than uh, most other kinds of things, but the recovery is, it was real. Like, and and I've had some very tangible like moments, like many months after the therapy, that really like brought into relief how much better I was ha- having gone through it. Mm. So it's a thing, and like I th- I I really liked the the setup and the way they described this from from that perspective because it fa- sounded very familiar to me personally. I'm really glad that that's working for you, and you're and you're working through it in a positive way. Yeah. Me too, man. It it helps a ton. The meld begins, and it's not the memory that everyone is expecting. Like, it's not a cliff. It's not a girl. It's not a girl falling to her death. Tuvok is not a kid. What we get is a scene in a prison, and Kirk absolutely smashing an alien's <laughs> knee balls in. <laughs> and uh, Janeway bums a, a puff off of uh, the cigarillo of a lady standing nearby. Yeah. No one's where they thought they'd be here. (laughs) You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. 
The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. I've got to get that Latin word now. Are you planning a heist? Adam, we are on Excelsior under the command of Ikaru Sulu. As easy as it would be to put in a Cillian Murphy movie, we have put Star Trek VI into the VCR about 15 minutes in, maybe. They really did it. Like They got Grace Lee Whitney back. They got a lot of the other extras from that scene back. They built the bridge. I love the hero shot of Sulu stepping through the mist. Yeah. Like, this is a great Sulu episode. It really is. It is fucking awesome. And they are in the middle of a firefight with Klingons. Casualty reports coming in. 19 wounded. Tuvok, can you see me? Yes. Janeway is there, and, like, the mechanic is that it's, like, a memory where nobody else is aware of Janeway, but Mm -hmm. they're aware of Tuvok. There's a man down that Tuvok is trying to attend to. And Janeway is like, Tuvok, what the fuck is this? This is nothing like what you described. I was all geared up for a cliff and a girl and whatever. I don't know if you're allowed to do that. He's like, well, I was trying to get there, but we're here. And uh, maybe this is connected somehow. And she's like, well, where is this? What's going on? And he starts to kind of go through the story of what happened to the Excelsior to get them into this firefight. And this is post the explosion of Praxis. Uh, Excelsior heading towards Kronos and he takes her back a little bit earlier in the day when he's like getting up with his buddies in the crew mess hall. All right, Gamma Shift, time to defend the Federation against gaseous anomalies. And preparing some some tea, some Vulcan tea for Captain Sulu that uh, he's going to use to try and suck up to the boss. I wish I'd have thought of that when I was your age. I'll never understand the I can't believe you didn't know this sensibility of a Star Trek nerd more than when Janeway was walking around Star Trek VI, not yeah. really getting what she was seeing. Because yeah. like this, Star Trek VI is my favorite Star Trek movie. It's so foundational. I know every frame of it. And yeah. for Captain Janeway to be looking around, <laughs> not really getting where she's at, was right. like the moment where I was like, come on. <laughs> I feel like this is a thing that actors that get cast in Star Trek shows always have to try and control for. Like when they get the interview, when the news comes out that they've been cast, like Mm -hmm. they always have to say, I'm I'm a total Star Trek fan. I've always loved it. Yeah. Whether or not that's true, because they don't want anyone to question their bona fides, you know? I love how much shit Rand gives Tuvok for wanting to bring Sulu his morning tea. 
Like, yeah. like you're you're such a ladder climber. <laughs> what the hell is this? But the darkness to Rand's comment here is like she's only saying this because of in her day to move up the ranks, what she would have to do in the workplace yeah. harassment obstacle course was like a Japanese game show in terms of depravity. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Janice Rand has seen some shit that Tuvok will never understand. She's like, I would have gotten a lot quicker promotions if I hadn't been put on Kirk's command. Right, exactly. <laughs> and when Tuvok finally serves the tea, there's a really fun three shot where there's Sulu and Tuvok and Rand in the middle, like peeping it. It's so fun. Yeah. <laughs> I also love Janeway taking umbrage with the fact that Tuvok never sucked up to her in quite this way. Aren't I worth sucking up to? Tuvok. <laughs> There's coffee in that tea. This is a moment where Janeway also asks the question that I had, which is like, why is this not in Tuvok's service record? There's some there's some conversation about like part of Janeway's confusion is that she thought she knew her subordinate and everything yeah. he did professionally. What the hell are you doing here in this uniform? Is this another dream state? No. You've been in Starfleet for 80 years and you're yeah. a fucking lieutenant? Yeah. Yeah. This is like Ensign Mariner level unwillingness to get promoted. Lower decks, lower decks, lower decks. Tuvok kind of waves it away at this point as something that he'll have to explain later. And that's not the only wave in this scene because this is the moment with the Praxis explosion incoming. My God. And it's so much fun to watch the movie footage intercut with the television footage. It's not a great fit resolutionally yeah but I, I i'm such a huge fan of star trek 6 that i just loved every moment that was intercut here it's so great i mean like i think that like also like the actors have all aged a little bit from mm -hmm. when they shot star trek 6 but like they did it as well as they possibly could have like this is so much more advanced than what they did when scotty visited the enterprise bridge on the mm -hmm. holodeck like they completely built this set you can see the repurposed enterprise d control consoles out there in the bridge that have been like spray painted silver like yeah. everything looks perfect and it's just that the actors are a little older and the cameras are a little shittier when they cut to the television footage i thought i had seen every frame of every moment in star trek 6 i did not remember a rotating police light on the ceiling of the bridge of the excelsior <laughs> in star trek 6 if it's always been there then that's on me then i just didn't yeah. notice that because you really get a face full of it in this scene here when they cut to the wide <laughs> shot on the bridge i had not noticed that that's how they do red alert there i love it <laughs> i love it so much that's how it is on the hood right you know DeSoto yeah. kept the rotating police light on the bridge mm -hmm. yeah. that's big fun Definitely at some point in my film school career, I bought a rotating police light at like a lighting store in yeah. New York. And I was like, this is 30 bucks, but I'll use this a billion times. Yeah. I wish it, I still had that thing. It's so fun to hear about what the Excelsior did off screen in Star Trek VI. And yeah. the story as we get it here is that she drives through a nebula in order to head to where Kirk and Spock are. And this is a this is a decision Sulu makes that Tuvok protests big time. As a Starfleet officer, it is my duty to formally protest. Tuvok. 
A pretty bold statement for an ensign. It's one of those a very junior officer without enough context takes umbrage with a decision made by the commanding officer and stands up to him and tries to cite chapter and verse. And Zulu is really cool about this. Like he turns it into a teachable moment. There are things that override our orders and there are reasons to do this that are not in the manual or whatever. (laughs) I thought this was the scene that got a yes out of George Takei. Like this is why you do the episode if you're him is for a moment like this. This was perfectly delivered, perfectly reasonable. Everything you want to know about a a main cast TOS character and and their reasons for doing anything. I loved it. I got the chills during it. I'll take it one further, Adam. This scene made my heartbreak for the Captain Sulu show we never got. Yeah. Like he is yeah. so good as the ultimate authority figure on the bridge. Yeah. And it's such a rare glimpse of that that I wish we could have gotten more of. I don't get it. I mean, like, all of these sets were built up for this moment. If you want to make a Captain Sulu show and you got a bridge and a bunk room and a ready room, like, you telling me we can't get 10 episodes out of that for a season? (laughs) The failure of vision that that represents is heartbreaking. I can clear my schedule. I promise you I'm available for a star turn. (laughs) As long as it doesn't conflict with my work as a board member for the Los Angeles Metro. (laughs) (laughs) They get to the nebula and it looks just like the Cillian Murphy nebula from the Voyager mission. And Sulu looks out at it and he's like, maybe you get me a great guest star. (laughs) Someone with some gravitas. The nebula, hugely triggering to young Tuvok. (laughs) Or to... to Yeah, I mean, not... (laughs) He's not, not wearing young. the bow tie. <laughs> not the youngest Tuvok. <laughs> not the littlest Tuvok um, <laughs> we're talking about here. But this knocks him out of the, the simulation. This breaks the mind meld. We see this girl fall off a cliff a dozen times this episode. It's all she does. <laughs> this poor kid. I expected a button on the episode where like she's safe and we hear her story. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. you get you get a moment a child actor probably craves. Like that's a little more than falling off a cliff. That's it. It's it's what child actors crave, Adam. And yet this girl was brought to set to fall off a cliff over and over again. Wile E. Coyote of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. She's That would have been fun, right? If they'd shown her fall off and like fall past the circle of confusion into nothingness and then like wait half a beat and then a little puff at the bottom. She's the Wendy Coyote. Yeah. And then like and then you cut down to surface level and out of the clearing dust a a sign gets held up that says like help or something like that or like i wish i had more lines in this episode yeah she does a great job falling off a cliff she really sells it i want to look her up i feel like she deserves a name right yeah let's name check her while you're while you're name checking her i'm gonna refill my uh coco no-no here i brought an ice bucket out to the that's a drink deserving of a refill I squeezed my own homemade limes here, Adam. I'm not going to not drink them. I've got unknown performers as five children during Mind Meld. That makes sense. I'm not seeing a credit for girl falling off a cliff. What the fuck? How is that possible? She's a major part of the show. Yeah, she has lines. Do better, Memory Alpha. Demetrius Lawson plays young Tuvok. Yeah, you telling me you can't give a young girl falling off a cliff? 
a credit here? I'm not seeing it, are you? No. Hmm. Weird. Yeah. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. Well, things aren't going well in Tuvok's brains, and Janeway is pretty frustrated by this. They were so yeah. close to getting somewhere, and they've gotten yeah. nowhere. And she's like, well, like, uh, wake him up. Let me talk to him about what we saw. And Doc Holliday is like, his brain is basically in a slow motion shatter right now. I'm not like waking him up or, or slapping him on the face like I do with anybody else. Wake up, Lieutenant. If his head was shot with a phaser aboard a starship, like his skull would disappear and inside would be a pot of mashed potatoes with a whisk sticking out. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, revisiting Undiscovered Country as a milieu and not seeing the mashed potatoes yeah, that's tough. is a bit of a disappointment. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't quite finish in this episode without it. <laughs> yeah. It's not exactly the tax documents folder I was looking <laughs> <like>. Yeah. <laughs> After the meld, uh, Janeway's in her ready room reviewing the post-game show of the mission when Kim walks in with information comparing the two nebulas in both memories the thing yeah, about this they can like look back in starfleet logs and say like okay this is the nebula that they were scanning when tuvok's memories that we just visited happen Let's it's weird how apologetic kim is about the comparison he's like look the star trek 6 nebula was actually kind of a piece of shit like not that big <laughs> Not that impressive. And I uh -huh. measured from all parts of it, like to try yeah. to give it a little more like impressiveness. I tried to zhuzh it up a little bit. I... I'm telling you, the one that's outside our view screen right now, much, much bigger, much more impressive. Could really satisfy you. Yeah. And Janeway's like, thank you, Kim. You may get... And Kim is like, also, I have some strong medical opinions about what might be happening to Tuvok. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked the kind of romantic way they talk about TOS era Star Trek in this episode. And this is a great scene for it where Kim and Janeway are talking about like, oh, it was a different time. Like when Sulu wanted to like omit some shit from his log, he could just do that. And there's no like other records that would corroborate what happened. Yeah. There's something so fun whenever we get like a, a current era Star Trek mm -hmm. thing talking about the TOS era as as like their historical past and right. the romanticism of like, oh, that was a different time. Those were like the swashbuckling yeah. crews that like, you know, they could bend the rules and, and the, you know, the Alpha Quadrant was largely unexplored. They really romanticize it in a, in a very fun way. It used to be every character in Star Trek was kind of a Brad Dourif type. <laughs> and it's ironic that those are the types now that we sentence... <laughs> <laughs> to house arrest. <laughs> also noteworthy in this scene, Adam, the cup of coffee that Janeway is drinking from is a type of glass that is still available on the market. And a friend of DeSoto sent me a couple of those yeah. a few years ago. Looking it's good. Fun to see them. Yeah. Yeah. You're looking at yours right now. I am. Asshole. You're kind of like fondling it on camera. The viewers can you see want, that at home. Uh, uh, there's two of them. I'm sure that they meant for one of them to go to you. Yeah, I'm sure my wife would love that. The, the <laughs> presence of a strange piece of glassware. One random yeah. <laughs> piece of glassware. Yeah, that'll be great. <laughs> cool. No, we'll just drink out of them over there. <laughs> Back in 6 Bay, Tuvok is describing the story of Star Trek Six to the people there. When the moment strikes, you want to do another meld? Hell yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. 
And so they get back into those brains, and this time they flash into the aftermath of a battle with the Klingons, right into the bunk room, where Dimitri Valtain has top bunk conversational energy with Tuvok. <laughs> like, Tuvok is holding up a bunch of stop signs here as the bottom bunk, and Dimitri yeah. Valtain is driving right through him. It really is. Just overriding uh, Tuvok's very obvious desire to sleep. Dimitri Veltain, down for the cause. He is a yeah. dyed-in-the-wool Starfleet stan, and he is talking to a man who he doesn't realize has already made the decision to resign his commission based on Sulu's decision to go rescue Kirk and McCoy. One thing that goes unsaid the entire episode that I think a modern show might get into a little bit more is how much more makewees probable you are if you ride for Sulu's choice here yeah. versus not. Like, Interesting, like yeah. doing your own thing and doing what you think is right as it relates to your sense of justice is makewees. Makewees? Mm-hmm. And no one regards it as such, but I believe that's the truth here. And as an institutionalist, Tuvok is sort of seeing his world shattered and he talks to Janeway about like I joined Starfleet under pressure from my parents I fucking hated it I never wanted to do it this is the and reason left. you left tennis high school right yeah I was like fuck you dad I'm never gonna do another backhand fuck you dad and fuck you Rod Laver <laughs> I'm gonna wear shorts that have a five inch inseam and I'm never gonna wear three inch inseam shorts ever again <laughs> Yeah. I do not have the legs for three inch inseam shorts. I really wish I did. Yeah. It'd be nice. Aspirational it's five legs. minimum. Yeah. Absolutely. Seven maximum. <laughs> oh, I bet seven's your max. I mean, three inch inseam is, ris- is risky. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> Tuvok basically tells Dimitri that all Starfleet are racist. If you could only hear yourselves. And that he's turning in his badge and his phaser after this mission. Yeah. I like Dimitri Valtrain. I think he's a chill as hell face of a dude that just so happens to hate everything that Tuvok stands for in this moment. But like, I love his vibe utterly. I think this is a great way of understanding like standard issue human Starfleet Mm -hmm. against non-standard issue Vulcan Starfleet. Mm -hmm. And it's a very interesting scene. And Tuvok says, like, I left Starfleet for 50 years because of this. Like, this is this is a, a, a thing that I didn't think I could deal with and a thing I didn't feel like I could countenance. It's the explanation that was promised earlier, right? Like, record yeah. scratch. You're probably wondering how I ended up here <laughs> before leaving Starfleet for 50 years. He went home to become, like, a religious zealot, mm-hmm. essentially. Like, he, he was, like trying to achieve a state of pure logic and then went into heat. He he underwent Ponfar and fell madly in love. And being a dad and raising kids and seeing parenthood from the other side is the thing that persuaded him that his negative reaction to what his parents' dreams for him were mm-hmm. was misguided. Yeah. I mean, a lot of lives have probably been saved from religious extremism by that ass. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, have you seen T'Pel? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. So he he went back home, got a wife, had some kids, and 
once he had done so, he sort of became mature enough to recognize the ways that being in Starfleet could benefit him. Of course, it's locked in. Do it. Listen to me very carefully, because I'm only going to say this once. The next time he goes on shift, they march up to the bridge, and it is the Excelsior getting set upon by Kang's D7. Yeah. A lot of familiar, fa- like, this is such a great episode. It's yeah. like, oh, you think we, we're done pulling up old faces from past Star Trek shit? You're wrong. Do not let it end prematurely. We say this all the time. Star Trek is the most economical science fiction series of all time. So I was <laughs> expecting, like, a recycled D7 model angle here. But yeah. no, this looks like a fresh shoot. And getting yeah. it from this angle with, with a hood class in the background is an awesome composition. I loved it. It's dope. And Kang and like, there is a kind of like game recognized game, like rivals who have a lot of respect for each other energy between Sulu and Kang. That's really fun. Oops, my ship is broke. We will withdraw from the nebula once we've restored navigation. (laughs) I assure you, we do not need an escort. But if you'd like to begin that escort... You're welcome to do so right now. Jane I love this moment. A fly on the wall for this yeah. and clearly loving it. My issue with the scene is that the Cillian Nebula is so smoldering, you almost don't need much of a spark to make anything happen here because the actor's as hot as hell. Mm-hmm. But as soon as the ships turn into this thing, Sulu lights the match and does an amount of damage to Kang's ship that doesn't hurt anyone. Just kind of uh, stops the ship from giving them much trouble any further. Yeah. Kang is KO'd, and it seems like they're home free, but then a bunch more ships show up and start dropping bangers on them. Set course to Kronos. Those are the kind of torpedoes from this era that shoot rays out all (laughs) over the place for some reason. (laughs) No one in my time period calls it Kronos. And yet... (laughs) I will be the one to start that trend. (laughs) I'm a bit of a chrono tipster. I was doing it before it was cool. (laughs) Three battlecruisers ahead isn't a good sign for what's to come, though. And Dimitri Valtain takes a console to the face when he doesn't listen to Tuvok about maybe backing away from that explosive panel. And uh, this is the moment where we flash right back into young Tuvok dropping that girl off a cliff again, and then right back into Six Bay, like sort of a reset. We're reset in Six Bay because like they're still locked into the meld, right? Like it's sort of like Janeway and Tuvok have been electrocuted and you need to touch them with a stick. Like you can't touch them in person because that would electrocute you. Yeah. You got to get a non-conductive material to whack them with. Yeah. Yeah. And the doc only has Kiss. It's sort of like inception logic, right? Like they're stuck out in like the real world and then in the simulation, Tuvok is stuck and he keeps going into the secondary simulation of this horrible memory and the doctor is not having a lot of luck getting them out of it. And this is when the mind meld sort of breaks and Sulu becomes aware of Janeway's presence in the simulation. Who the hell are you? There's a kind of Groundhog Day effect to how the meld is working story-wise too, right? They keep popping back generally to the same part of the story in order to affect the thing that happens later. And they can't quite get it right for the first few times. 
I know that sounded like a mid sentence <laughs> statement, but I meant to stop it there. <laughs> I really one of those days, Adam. <laughs> I really expected Sulu to see Janeway and like do something a little more affected than send her to the brig, which is right. his choice. Yeah. He's, he's got he's his like, hands full though, right? Like he's being attacked by by Klingon ships. Like he can't really be the point man on this. He's got much bigger fish to fry. Yeah. But I also just love that thing where Tuvok and Janeway keep talking to each other like Sulu isn't there. Mm-hmm. What's happening? Why can he see me? I asked you a question. Who are you? And what are you doing on my ship? I think that maybe one sort of missed opportunity in this is like, I kind of wish we got... A Janeway Sulu scene yeah. that was a little bit more substantial. Yeah, and what's tough is like she was crippled with the trivia early on, so there was never a foothold for her to be like, you're Captain Sulu, and and here's what I know about you right. that can suddenly get me out of the brig in this exact moment. You were born in San Francisco. <laughs> and there's no, it's not like space-time continuum rules where Janeway couldn't have talk to him and change the outcome of this thing. This is all happening in Tuvok's mind, and it would have been really interesting to have Janeway have an interaction with with Sulu that totally changed the story of Star Trek somehow. (laughs) Yeah, I know, yeah. Why don't we kick the spurs into this hood-class ship, head over to Rue Repente, and (laughs) smash some aliens in the knee nuts. (laughs) There's coffee in those knee nuts. (laughs) the plan they come up with is go back earlier in the day before sulu was wise to janeway's presence Mm -hmm. get commander Rand's uniform so that janeway can kind of blend in a little bit better on the bridge kind of a fun uh, scene here when janeway's like walks up to Rand and she's like i need your clothes your boots (laughs) and your bob (laughs) (laughs) meanwhile in six bay Doc Holliday has discovered something kind of interesting in the memory engram that is replaying over and over in Tuvok's head. It's got like a a carrier signal and then like something else is riding on it. I love this bit of science. Like we get the idea that it's a virus, a a, a memory virus. It mimics a memory the way a virus would mimic some other kind of bodily system. Good thing you can kill it with radiation, Ben. It is a good thing, Adam. (laughs) I mean, they tried to offer that to Tuvok, and he was like, I don't know. I I know you're a doctor, but I just need more evidence. I'm going to do some of my own research. Yeah, how did those green smoothies work for you, Tuvok? (laughs) You're falling apart. (laughs) So we cut back to the bridge of the Excelsior. Commander Rand, nowhere to be found, and... Captain Sulu a little bit worried that his first officer is uh, is MIA while they're, like, in Klingon space. Where is she? And uh, they start getting the bangers dropped on them. I was really hoping that there was a storyline here where Valtain didn't get a panel to the face. Yeah, where, like, Tuvok convinced him not to keep computering on the explodey computer. Yeah, this is this is the version of Groundhog Day where he drives the truck off the cliff every time. I have to say, this scene, uh, we get a shot of Janeway marching across the bridge in her TOS movie uniform. Pretty and jumpy, I huh? don't think we've talked enough about what a great march Captain Janeway has. Like, when she is marching around, fucking, yeah. she <laughs> looks great. And, and I feel like this uniform really accentuates it in a way that I, I didn't notice enough before. 
On a scale of Kate Mulgrew and Harrison Ford, uh-huh. like Kate Mulgrew is a 10 on on Confidence Walk and Harrison Ford is a 1. <laughs> right. <laughs> the way she like swings her arms when she walks is yeah. fucking incredible. Yeah, she rules. Extremely dumpy uniform on her though in a way that like you get yeah. it because it's Rand's uniform. But it's Rand's uniform. It's not it's not that like bullshit movie thing of somebody stealing a suit from somebody else and then they're in the suit in the next scene. It's like, wow, that is a professionally tailored suit for you. The monster maroon as a uniform in Star Trek, though, is so awesome that like you just want to look awesome in it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So when Valtain goes down this time, Tuvok is deep enough in it that Janeway is able to have him stay in the moment. And she's like talking him through, like, let's go watch that girl die again. (laughs) And Tuvok like really strains against it. And in Sixth Bay, they're watching as the engram like jumps from Tuvok's mind to hers. And we see the young Tuvok replaced by a young Janeway. In the same spot, dropping the same girl. Yeah, and we also get like a bunch of other kids as the fall off the cliff kids. It's like <laughs> it's the- an it's a small world cast of kids. Yeah, <laughs> like, it absolutely and, like is. all different costumes and uh, <laughs> it's so wild. None of them with the credit. Yeah, they wake up out of this meld after this, and the doc tells them what we know at this point, which is that it's a viral parasite that hides yeah. in bad memories. For its it, survival. It thrives on peptides, and I'm like, give the virus some cake. With mint frosting. It'll get right out of your brain and into that cake. Good news, if you don't have a bad memory of your own, this virus will make one for you. <laughs> it covers up its presence in your mind by being such a shitty memory that you never want to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it it was in Valtain originally. Tuvok got it from Valtain. Yeah. Wear a mask, Valtain. What the fuck? Yeah, I mean, so much more damage was done during Valtain's explosion than we realized. <laughs> it sucks. It really sucks. Yeah. Was there ever a real girl or a real cliff? It doesn't seem that way. It seems like this was a construct yeah. of the virus. So Just a made-up thing. Yeah. So in the corridor, uh, the very last scene is Tuvok getting nostalgic about his time with the OG Star Trek crews of that day, as nostalgic as he could possibly be, really, which is not nostalgic at all. It's it's yeah. Janeway who is envious of his experience. If I didn't know you better, I'd say you miss those days on the Excelsior. On the contrary. But Janeway, I mean, if you were that interested, you might have done some research, I guess, before this experience. Yeah. It really fleshed out Tuvok as a character for me, though. Like, it's very interesting to think about like I, I've always wondered about the Tim Russ role in Star Trek Six and how it relates to Voyager, whether they are, whether that character is connected to this one or not. And it's really nice to see that line be drawn here. Yeah. And it was, God. Well, I guess I should just ask: Did you like this episode? I think at the time, I might have had different feelings about it. Like, this was an episode constructed for Star Trek's 
30th anniversary, uh-huh. like, hey, we've got to do something special. We have a show in production. What can we do that would be a fun callback for that? Let's see if we can do an episode that points back at something directly in the film universe. And I think I might have seen this at the time as a cynical play toward that kind of nostalgia. Right now, yeah. though, I love it. I love it so much. This is one of my favorite episodes for the reasons that might not have worked back in the late 90s. It was super fun seeing Star Trek Six again through someone else's eyes. Yeah. I mean, if anything, I, I could have used even more of that. Give us less juice in the first scene and more <laughs> Star Trek Six scenes later yeah. on is where I'm at. Like if I I'm mean, gonna... you've always said Star Trek Six is a place and it's a place you just want to visit. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, it was fun, like with a character like Valtaine to like bulk up a bridge officer's story there retroactively was yeah. a really fun bit of business. And also like directorally, David Livingston like directed the shit out of this episode. And yeah. I loved how exotic he got like with, with his camera moves and stuff, like moving around the characters and the circles that he does. Like visually, it wasn't just about going back to a popular movie. He put a spin on on it visually that made it fresh to me so that it wasn't such a retread. I really liked the episode a lot. What about you, Ben? I really did too. It was so cool. And I think that's a, that's a very astute point that like in at the time may not have felt as well earned as it does in retrospect. But I always get a kick out of like one series drawing connective tissue to one of the movies or to one of the other series. Yeah. And this is so such a great way of making my understanding of Tuvok as a character deeper and mm-hmm. also making my understanding of Star Trek six as a movie deeper. Like, yeah, it's so fun to say like, okay, like there are things happening in parallel in Star Trek six. That's like the whole thing about that movie. But there are also stories that we don't get to visit all the way through. What happened to the Excelsior is a question that is very well answered in this. Yeah. I like, I like being in Sulu's head a little bit about his decisions during that movie because we get so little of him i mean those yeah. are triumphant moments when we do get sulu in star trek six yeah great moments that are well earned but it's nice to see what he's dealing with it really is you want to see if there's anything nice to deal with in the priority one inbox oh yeah i'm gonna head right there i might take a little shortcut through a nebula though <laughs> okay priority one message from starfleet coming in on secured channel need a supplemental income Hey Adam, our first Priority One message is from Dan and it's to Adam and Ben and it goes like this. Hey Ben, hey Adam, now that I've got a little extra scratch, I wanted to follow up with my previous P1 requesting any DS9 app other than Time's Orphan. Hmm. I just think that episode is a turkey. Yeah? That was a long time ago. Yeah. I'm like, I have to like Google it because I I feel like I remember it, but I... Oh, that's the one where uh, the O'Brien daughter becomes a becomes a teenager. Yeah. The, the Cro-Magnon O'Brien? I don't understand... Cro-Mag-Molly. I don't understand the reference, like, following up to that message. What is the request? I Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what Dan wants. I, I, wish, I wish we knew what you wanted, Dan. Dan, if we you tell us... We wouldn't do it, but but we appreciate that you would ask. Dan, now a 2P1 punch card owner. Look, just tell us what you want. You don't... <laughs> I'm going to say this. Don't buy another P1. Just tell us what you want, Dan. 
Just clarify. Yeah. <laughs> clarify the message. Yeah. We'll we'll fix this. Yeah. I mean, we won't, but <laughs> our intentions are good. No one's going back into this episode to fix this. <laughs> Thanks for your support, Dan. Yeah. Thanks for sticking around uh, post DS9. Feels like forever ago. Ben, our second priority one message is from Dan and Starfleet Academy City. Is this another Dan or is this the same Dan? God, I don't know. We might need to look this up. It is to Adam and Ben and the brothers Shimoda. <laughs> it took six months and a day for my last P1 to air, and in parentheses, November 16th to May 17th. Okay. In that time, we saw a lot of real history. Plus, yeah, we did. <laughs> the end of a podcast. As I submit this on May 28th, I fear the world will change before this is read. How was fire season? Are China and India still at war? Juck the humans. Seven of nine, you can assimilate me now. <laughs> Dan is Dan is referring to some, some great times over the last yeah. year. and uh, Just been splendid. <laughs> and also the potential for future great times ahead. Yeah. You Boy, just never got... know when you fill out a P1 message what the landscape's going to be. Yeah. We have one or two cryptic Dans yeah. in the P1s today. And if you'd like to be a cryptic Dan or a different kind of person, <laughs> why don't you head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron? We really had Miriam Dans this episode. <laughs> Hey, I have a I have a dear friend named Miriam and uh, a dear friend named Dan to whom she is married. Wow, wow. Well, uh, very confusing for them if they ever listen to our show. Yeah, they don't. Of course, <laughs> it's not. okay. Of course not. You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time, but I don't like bullets. I don't like friends, and I don't like you. Hey, Adam. What's that Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I'm going to give my Shimoda to Janice Rand. I think from what I read about her involvement in this show, she had very little lead time to prepare. <laughs> she shows up and fucking crushes her her scenes. Yeah. She gets undressed and her uniform stolen by Janeway. <laughs> uh, she throws a fair bit of sass to Tuvok. She is a, like, real main character in this episode, which I think if you're a guest star, especially in an episode where you know George Takei is going to be, like, the top-line guest star, like, she has a lot of chewy shit to do, which she clearly delighted in and did a great job with. So I'm going to give my Shimoda to Grace Lee Whitney slash Janice Rand. Great Shimoda. I'm going to give mine to... The other kids, yeah. <laughs> those kids that got cast. The kids of like, the World Book Encyclopedia. Put on the costumes and appear as other people that dropped that girl off the cliff. <laughs> I feel like they got such a an, an, another thankless acting task, both thankless in that they were uncredited, but also thankless in that they just like, Got an, uh, no lines. You just have to like experience horror and grief for a split second on camera. Can you imagine the lobby area for that day where they're they're doing the tryouts, and it's like <laughs> all these different types of kids are like, uh, "What are you reading for, Cliff Kid? Yeah, Cliff yeah. Kid. What? You're Cliff Kid? Who do they want for Cliff Kid? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of what, what what kind of Cliff Kid are they going for? <laughs> I guess they're just gonna like shoot for the edit. <laughs> 
<laughs> Very confusing. Yeah. A lot of great after actors started off as Cliff Kids, Ben. So, oh, yeah. so we it's, shouldn't laugh. There are no small actors. There are only small Cliff Kids. You know, I heard Cillian Murphy's first role was a Cliff Kid. So, oh, yeah. And look at him now. The next episode we're going to be watching is season three, episode three, The Shoot. Hmm? Convicted of a crime they didn't commit, Paris and Kim may spend the rest of their lives in a hellish prison. Together? Yeah. This is an episode that I feel like I always think of as being a TNG episode. Yeah. For some reason, there's like some stuff in this episode that's really stuck in my head. And Hmm. I always expect to see the shoot when I watch TNG. Interesting. And then I'm like, it's not in here. Where is it? Wow. Well, I'm expecting Kim and Paris to uh, smash a lot of knee balls on their way out of this prison set. <laughs> yeah. Gonna have to break uh, out of this prison by <laughs> kicking this alien in the nuts. I got a real bad case of claustrophobia. Gonna have to start digging. <sighs> We're gonna leave some of the dirt, let it fall out of the bottom of our trousers. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> Who's rolling the bone, Ben? Uh, that's going to be me today. I'm uh, over at gach.biz slash game, where we keep the game of buttholes. The will of the caretaker. Our runabout is currently on square 12, the Coco Nono square of the second row, which we've seemed to be doomed to repeat. Let's just tear this game in half. <laughs> I don't want to know what's above square 50. I don't want to know what's above square 20. Plenty of action to be had down here. It's been so long since we've hit a Mourn Hammered. It's been absurdly long. Yeah. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. All right. I'm going to roll our six-sided die. See what happens. Oh, my God. Adam, I rolled a six. I landed us on square 18, which is a Quark's bar. Drink. It's the antidote. How about that? A second consecutive drunk episode. Good. We Good. had such a long drunk episode desert, and now, now we're in the lush drunk episode jungle. This is great. I think this is great news for us. I have plenty of Kirkland signature margarita left <laughs> that I can use for this occasion, and I'm looking forward to it, Ben. I'm looking forward to seeing you. Kirkland signature drunk. Yeah. Uh, it's, again. A tre- it's a tremendous value for my drunk. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> wow. Did you feel tremendous value from this show? If you did, <laughs> I got a way you can, you can show your support. You can go to MaximumFun.org slash join. It's a lot like a Costco membership. Mm. You sign up for the executive greatest generation membership. You support oh, yeah. the show the whole year through. Uh, you get your 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 drunk episodes on a regular basis. You get your two percent back in the form of yeah. drunk episodes and the occasional donor bonus episode. Your 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 gasoline per gallon is far cheaper than at a normal service station. Hey, you know what? We're trying to make the donor bonus episodes far less occasional. Oh yeah, over here. And uh, we, sh- we I don't think we've talked about that on The Greatest Generation. We're, we're dropping episodes of Factory Seconds, our Cheesecake Factory podcast. Look at all this beautiful food. Of the Santa Monica Mountains, our Baywatch podcast. We're dropping bonus episodes of The Greatest Discovery. Where we talk about Star Trek colon the animated series. That's right. 
These are these are all available to people in the bonus content feed, along with dozens and dozens of uh, older bonus episodes, including ones where we review movies like Heat and Crimson Tide and Gremlins, Red October, and Gremlins. Yeah, there is so much there to enjoy in the bonus feed. Get on that. Get on it, Ben. We couldn't do this show just you and me. We rely on on not only the support of our supporters. Uh, mm-hmm. We also rely on on people like Adam Ragusia, who made the theme and interstitial music for this episode. Uh, we are forever grateful to Dark Materia, who made the Picard song, which served as our theme music for a long, long time, and also the music you're hearing right now under the credits. It's true. We uh, really appreciate Bill Tilly, who runs the social media accounts for The Greatest Generation, at Greatest Trek on Instagram and Twitter. He also makes really funny baseball cards about every episode of this show that he shares on his personal Twitter account and retweets from those accounts. Follow everything. Follow it all. It's fun. Yeah. Like Eric Banya says in the J.J. Abrams Star Trek, follow everything! (laughs) I mean, he says that from the safety of the scimitar, so... Right. Yeah. Yeah, he's fine. He's fine. Well, with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager that you could have sworn was from like way back when we were reviewing episodes of Next Generation. Hmm. That long ago, right? <laughs> Barely remember. Make it so. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported